and welcome to Upwards, moments of hope, encouragement, and inspiration. I'm your host, Michael Biggs. This is podcast number 88, and I'm pleased to have with me today Michelle Inglehart. She's a producer and she's head of marketing for a brand new independent film called Maysville the Movie. And we have Michelle's son, Forrest Campbell. He's a 16-year-old, and he's one of the main stars in the movie Maysville. I want to welcome to the microphones today, Michelle. Michelle, welcome. Thank you so much for having us today, Michael. We're so excited to be here. And I want to welcome Forrest, her son. Forrest, 16 years old. Welcome, welcome. Thank you. Hello, hello, hello. (laughs) Michelle, I'm going to start with you. Would you please give us an overview of the movie Maysville? What do we expect? What's it all about? Uh So Maysville is an independent film. It is a coming-of-age thriller set in the 1920s in rural Appalachia. And it's a rather unique story told by my uh, partner in crime, uh, Leslie Goyette. She and I are the co-owners of Hold Your Horses Films. We came together to make this film. She is the writer, she is the director, and very much it stems from her upbringing in uh, rural Appalachia. Now, we're gonna turn to Forrest. Forrest, tell us about the role that you played. I play Willie Stamper, and I have a dad and he's abusive and I live with him only and I have a best friend Teddy who's awesome we play together every day you play the part of a kid who had an abusive dad what was that like I am very used to this role I've played a lot of roles with abusive dads it's it's something that uh, you really have to think about and how it affect your character because Obviously, I can't relate to that at all. So you really have to, you know, get in that headspace. So, you know, I had to do that. And, yeah, it's just, it's very different from what, how my dad is like, so. Critical acting technique that you just touched on, getting into the head of that character, even though your own personal life can't relate to that. Mm-hmm. You have to do that a lot as an actor. Yeah, yeah. Now, you said you've done that several times, so you have some experience. Yeah. Yeah, I've been doing it for, like, since I was nine, so. (laughs) I'd say you have some experience. Mm -hmm. Okay. Why did you want to do movies? Well, to be honest, it was my sisters who got me into it first. They started, and then... You know, I was like, you know, I'll do an acting class here and there and see where it takes me. And it took me took me here. So, yeah, I'm definitely glad I did that. That is great. Do you want to do more movies? Absolutely. Take whatever I can get. So is this a career track or a, a young person's fantasy as of right now? More of a career track, I'd say. Okay. Dream big. If you had a dream role in a movie... What would it be? There's a new movie coming out right now called Dream and Wild. 
my little sister has a small part in it. It's about these two kids in the 70s who are in a band trying to make it. And they're around my age. You know, I love music, so to have a role where I'm in a band is just... I'd, I'd die for it, to be honest. It's, I, I love to do, I love to do that, so... That is great. Now, when you say in a band, yeah. you're talking about a musical group. Yeah, like a you know garage band, whatever. Okay. Forrest, you're 16 years old, and I know you have other interests. We've already talked about uh, music. Are you into sports, and what else are you into? I like to play basketball. I'm on a, I'm a school team, uh, and I'm also, I like to skateboard a lot with friends, too. So, <laughs> yeah. Okay, I got to tell you this little secret of my life. I had one of the first skateboards when they came out when I was 12 or 13 years old. Really? It had thin roller skater wheels, roller skate wheels. Uh-huh. Not the big fat ones that you're used to now. But I had one of the first ones. When was that? Was this? That was, oh my goodness. 59, 60, 62, 65, wow. somewhere along in there. Wow. <laughs> that was in Tennessee. Yeah. yeah. I roller skated all over Highland Avenue on that board. That was a lot of fun. I bet. Okay. What other movies have you been in, Forrest? Oh, let's see. Um, Mother's Love was my first one. Still haven't seen it, by the way. Uh, I got uh, Save Lives, Apologize, Lost and Found, Holiday Hell, and Potato Dreams. Potato Dreams. That one's new, by the way. So, My yeah. goodness. You're on your way, young man. Thank you. I love that. Now, let's get back to the movie for just a minute. Holden Goyette plays opposite of you. Uh, what role does he play? He plays Teddy. Teddy, what's his last name again? Um, Rogers. Teddy, Teddy Rogers. Teddy yeah. Rogers. Okay. And how was it working with one of your peers uh, who, I guess, y'all are equals as far as your acting abilities, et cetera, et cetera? It was really fun because it was, you know, a lot of times on set, you don't have people who are that close in age as you, or not my experience at least. Usually I'm working with, like, adults or just you know, really young kids. So it was, it was really fun because, you know, it was really fun to work with somebody who has stuff in common with you. And, you know, we, we just had a lot of fun on set too. So oh, that's great. Michelle, what was your role in uh, helping make the movie Maysville? My role was a producer. I helped produce Maysville. So Leslie Goyette um, and I partnered up back in the day, about three years ago now, to make Maysville. And she and I, neither one of us had made even a short film before. And we just thought we put our heads together, <laughs> making a long story short, and figure it out. And so together we did. She's a producer as well. And we um, together uh, set up uh, Hold Your Horses Films production company and just kind of went from there. Do we know any of the other actors, and have we ever seen them in any other movies that are yeah. in there? Well, yeah. So um, almost all the actors are from the Pacific Northwest. Trin Miller, uh, who plays uh, Clara, she, the mother of Teddy, uh, she is an uh, actor from the Seattle area. She currently lives in L.A. She 
was in a movie, uh, Captain Fantastic, which won some Oscars a few years ago, and she played Viggo Mortensen's wife in that. So she's uh, pretty well known, and also um, Russell Hodgkinson, who plays Mr. Wells, the mayor of Maysville. And he uh, had a lead role in a TV series filmed here in Washington called Z Nation. It ran for six years, and he played Doc in that show, and he was very memorable in that role. <laughs> hmm. If anybody's seen Z Nation would know why. Uh, <laughs> he's um, kind of the comic relief of, of the show. Sir? Uh, Mr. Wells, I'm the owner of that mill. So you're the fellow that carry Paul from the mill here. Uh... Yes, sir. I need to shake your hand. You saved that boy's life. <laughs> I just carried him. Now, don't be humble. You did an amazing thing. You looking for a job? Uh, yes, yes, sir. Be at the mill at dawn tomorrow. I'll have a job waiting for you. Do you know, Theodore, I've never held the hand of a woman after church. Carried a child to his bed to tuck him in at night. Don't make the same mistakes I made, son. Let time slip away. He was a big deal for you to get in this movie. Is that right? We were so happy to get him. And he was one of the first who signed on. We thought, oh, if we can get Russell to sign on, we can really make this happen. It really encouraged us, spurred us on. Because um, it was early in the game in the fundraising phase. He read the script and just loved it and said he was totally game to do it. Michelle, what genre would you place uh, Maysville in? Ah, well, definitely a period drama. It's set in the 1920s, and which was very ambitious to do, uh, being an independent film on a small budget, by the way. If we knew then what we know that now, who knows if we really would have taken it on, because <laughs> uh, it's a huge expense, and uh, I think it normally triples or quadruples any budget. But we, we somehow pulled it off. So yes, a period film, but also it's a coming of age film. So along the lines of Stand By Me, we've heard that um, similarity, uh, co that comparison many times, uh, but also um, it's a thriller. It's a thriller and it has a little bit of a haunting in it as well, which is, sounds maybe unusual. Um, <clears throat> but Teddy is, is haunted by his past. I don't want to say more than that, but there is a, a, some of, a little bit of a, a haunting in there that's that's uh, unusual, I think. So it's a combination of genres. Uh, it's funny, we always thought of Maysville as a drama, but our we heard from multiple distributors that it really is very much can be spun and should be spun as a thriller. The thing that struck me about it was the dynamics that you do cover. There is a romance, there is a love story. Yes. There is a reconciliation element to the movie. There is danger. There is intrigue. There's a, there's a what I like to call a villain that you love to hate, that's in the movie, and yes. we'll talk about him in, in just a moment. But you've got a lot of elements going on. We do. What is the most redeeming quality, in the movie? Redeeming. I think the whole, the main character, Teddy Rogers, without giving too much away, the overarching storyline is is one about self-forgiveness Ooh, important topic yeah that is the overarching storyline at least for me when i read it okay. the first time and and every time i see it um that to me gives me the shivers how 
again, I don't want to give too much away, but how it wraps up and, and just comes together. It's all around the guilt that he feels for a terrible accident that happened when he was young and how he eventually, how he, how he deals with it. Forrest, you had to play that part uh, or that scene when that accident happened. Getting into character, preparing for that kind of a scene, there's, there's a lot of drama in it. There's a lot of sadness in that particular segment of the movie. Talk about that, how you prepared and how you delivered. It was more or less just like playing around, having fun, and then, you know, something happens, and it's a big transition. So it was, you know, you have to really, you have to rehearse it the right way. You have to plan for it, prepare for it. And I think we did a good job of pulling it off. So I'm just really happy with how it turned out. Michelle, talk about the prep work for making a movie like this. How much time do you have? <laughs> um, so one thing we did right is we, we knew that we needed to raise money for the film. A lot of filmmakers, <clears throat> you know, that's one thing we knew that um, was to our advantage that we, we, didn't, we couldn't just go in and make a film. We needed enough funding to feel good that we can make a feature-length film. And so we spent the first six or eight months um, heads down fundraising writing grants. Um, we ran a pretty successful Indiegogo campaign online. We had a fu dinner fundraiser down where we filmed Maysville in Centralia and Chehalis, Washington, which helped us out uh, in ways that we didn't even expect, not just financially. Actually, it was more so just getting the um, enthusiasm, uh, drawing the local people down there into the idea of making a film down there gave us, leveraged us with so much uh, to make the film. So again, not just financially, but so many people with vintage cars and props, antique stores. We borrowed so many things, an old tractor because they had a tractor museum, a steam train, just <laughs> we found almost everything we needed in these locations. And I think Maysville just would not, it, it wouldn't have gotten made it wouldn't have gotten made anywhere near as um, the same quality that it did without finding the, those towns. And then we hooked up with a, uh, a fiscal sponsor of the, the arts called Fractured Atlas. We applied actually to get fiscal sponsorship through them so that we could operate or uh, fundraise as a nonprofit since we are, it was our first time making a film and it um, had a storyline that they they bought into uh, for several reasons. So we're, I think that combination leveraged us to raise enough <laughs> enough money to make us think we could, could uh, make a feature film set in the 1920s. Sure. I want to talk about Leslie for a little bit. She wrote the script. She's listed as the director. You've already talked about her, that you guys are partners. Talk about Leslie. Talk about her experience as a director and uh, some of what you ladies had to go through to make this movie happen. Wow, that's, that's a lot. Um, so she kind of came out of nowhere. I mean, we knew each other through social media. Our, our um, children, my oldest daughter, Eden, and her son, Holden, who's in Maysville, plays Teddy, uh, they knew each other from a commercial they made years ago now, probably eight years ago. And we, we had kept in touch since the filming of that commercial, uh, just over social media. and. She, out of the blue, one day she pinged me and said, hey, I saw Forrest in a short film you posted online and I think he's great and I think he'd be really good for this role for this 
this this script I wrote for a feature film and <laughs> it's just like okay so she sent me this script and I I fell in love with the script um, by page 15 I was crying and I, I just couldn't believe how good the script was and it, this just to me in my eyes this thing just it fell came out of the blue uh, it's just funny how things happen in life sometimes and Forrest read the script. He and I both loved the story. He loved the character of Willie. And just having it set back in the 1920s, rural Appalachia, two kids having fun is how it starts out. It's just so picturesque, um, the idea of it. So Leslie, I, I told her how much I loved it. She came up to Seattle. She's from Portland. And uh, we did a table read. And at the end of the read, she's like, Michelle, two women we can figure this out I know we haven't done this before but you and I let's team up and, and just get this film made that's <laughs> basically what she said to me long story short three years later we have a film that was made um, there are many many stories and bumps in the road as you can imagine um, I still can't believe looking back that it was made um, on the other hand we busted our rear ends <laughs> for three years come hell or high water we were making this film I mean that's the mindset we had to have um, to, to get this film made and we did. And she is very creative and artistic. She has many talents. She was also, you know, we partnered up to be producers and we just kind of divvied up um, as best we, you know, could. You know, we didn't know each other that well starting out. So we had to kind of feel each other out and see what each, you know, how we were going to work together and, you know, what was I better at and what she was better at. And it just, it just worked out. It just worked out. That's amazing. I'm going to talk about uh, the location. You filmed it down in Centralia. And talk about that, the support you got from the community. I know you talked about the vintage cars. Talk about Centralia and that whole part of the, of the movie. Yeah, I think they kind of refer to themselves as Twin Town. <clears throat> excuse me, the Twin Towns of Centralia and Chehalis, Washington. It's, uh, they're in Lewis County. They're about an hour and a half south of Seattle, hour and a half north of Portland. Again, Leslie's from Portland, so it was like an ideal location in that regard. And we came across the towns uh, from another filmmaker, Colin Neal, who used to live in Seattle, and he he's in Spokane now. But he um, had clued in on the town a few years before that because of a film he was looking into making down there. And he put me in touch with a woman named Mary Kurtzbein, who has her own ju ju vintage jewelry and antique store down there and is very much a proponent of, of um, the historic, um, pr promoting uh, the history of the area. And she works with Parks and Rec down there. She's just well integrated into the community down there. And uh, so we met up with her and Jeremy Wildhaber, who owns Jeremy's restaurant down there, if you're from there, it's one of the best, <laughs> if not the best restaurant in that area. It's wonderful. Mm -hmm. Jeremy's Farm to Table in Chehalis. So we met up with the two of them and met them, and within that day, nailed down almost every single location that we needed for filming. It was crazy. Jeremy oh, nice. took us around in his car, and he and Mary just, you know, we told them what we needed, and we somehow found <laughs> to every location and there were a lot of locations in this film yes um yeah. yeah so within a day we knew that we had what we needed and had the support felt like we had the initial support from the right people in the community and we we're right michelle you used some vintage automobiles in the movie how was that how easy was it to find and get permission to use those vehicles talk about that please um <clears throat> It's, they're known as Hub City down there, so they uh, it's very much an area that is 
there are many people with vintage cars are very proud of their cars and res the restoration of their cars and it that was one of the easiest things we we're able to find for um some of the the downtown scenes we really needed um, quite a few vintage cars to really make it look authentic uh, for the street scenes and we found quite a few cars and just volunteers pe people who the were these owners of these beautiful vintage cars in that area who volunteered to be on set for the days that we needed them and they were very patient and quiet and everything you wanted you know need <laughs> these people to be they were so generous with their time and proud of their cars and we we're so happy to showcase them in the film it really I think that the downtown scenes really show the production value of our film because it seems like yeah. a, a really big it seems like a big film yeah. those it, beautiful outdoor scenes it really does I can't believe you got those vehicles for free yeah. I got to tell you I kept watching the movie and I expected at any moment one of the things to be written into the script was mechanical failure for those old vehicles. Oh. oh. <laughs> but they sounded like Cadillacs fresh off the showroom floor. They sounded incredibly well-tuned and, and, and incredibly efficient. Well, there is a story. One of the cars, the, the old truck that Buck drove, Buck is the antagonist, Right. the old black truck broke down and we needed to tow it back to the owner's home. And I hitched it to my SUV, and I don't know if this was legal or not, but I, it was such a rural area. We ended up, this is what the owners wanted. They wanted me to hitch it to my SUV and just you know drive it back, tow it back to their house, which was like five miles away. And I did, and the owner wanted to be in, the, in his truck to kind of steer it or whatever. <laughs> and it was, it was a little bit risky what we did there and i remember pulling into his driveway and as i pulled into his driveway with his car towed behind mine and there was another car coming out of the driveway a truck and the trucks that truck's um front hood it the hood flew up all of a sudden and he, that driver could not see me and i'm driving into the driveway and there's another car coming around the bend that couldn't see me very well because it was a, a sharp corner. It was just a terrifying moment. Anyway, everybody's safe. I got everybody in. I'm still looking back. I don't know how <laughs> how it happened that nothing happened, but that was probably the um, that was one of the incidents that happened on set. That's like truly when I think of indie filmmaking, that's kind of the <laughs> stuff that that can happen. I want you to talk about the cast in general. What's involved when you cast a movie set in the 1920s and 30s? And what did you look for in specific characteristics of some of the actors and actresses? Mm. So we worked with a local casting director who's um, been in the Seattle area for decades, Patty Callis, and her partner, Lori Levine. They cast Maysville, and most of our cast, as I said before, are from the Pacific Northwest. Uh, we did have a more challenging time finding the lead, Teddy Rogers, the, the adult lead. And we found him in Los Angeles. So he came up from LA, but everybody else was local to the Pacific Northwest. And I really think it shows what great talent we have. Um, Leslie and I have some, sim some things in common with what we like about film. And one is just a very natural, natural approach to acting. Um, we really have kind of a, we don't, you know, we catch overacting pretty easily. Just, just a little pet peeves that we have. So we really 
looked for actors who could really deliver a natural kind of lower key delivery of uh, during the auditions and she specifically she could talk to this much better than me but you know she has had this vision of each of these characters very much in her mind since she wrote the film so she um you know she was wearing that hat very much as well but in general we're just looking for a really natural delivery yeah and kevin was the young man you're talking about Mm. Yep, that's delicious. Don't tell Della. <laughs> I'm sorry about last night. I was wondering if maybe you can give me a second chance. What exactly were you thinking? Oh, I have something in mind. You know, Elizabeth doesn't exactly roll off the tongue. I'm gonna call you Beth. Let's take a break and hear from one of our sponsors. Folks, I want to introduce you to Steve Fowler. He's a friend of mine. We've been friends for 44 years. The last 22 of those years, he's been a senior mortgage loan officer licensed in Washington, Arizona, and California. If you're fed up and sick and tired of bait and switch guys advertising lowball rates, push button service, zero cost, and the kitchen sink, then you need to contact Steve at 480-216-1976. The proof of competent professional mortgage service shows up throughout the loan process and at closing. If you want to see what satisfied borrowers say about Steve, then Google Steve Fowler at Reach 150. That's Steve Fowler at REACH 150, or better yet, call him 480-216-1976 and tell him Michael Biggs sent you. Now let's uh, go back to our interview with uh, Michelle and Forrest. Do you have any uh, moments of, boy, if we'd only done this? With the schedule? Of course, with indie film, you almost always have a very ambitious filming schedule for various reasons. And so there's some really long days. We, as I said before, we had a lot of locations. And so kind of a lesson learned for us was accounting for that time between locations. We, we were a little too optimistic on that. Like, oh, and, you know, we can transition this in 45 minutes and get over there and do the whole setup. And that just almost was never the case. Mm -hmm. It always takes longer than you think. So I think we would yeah. look at that schedule and kind of, and maybe even adjust some of the locations. And um, yeah, so that was just one of the, little, the things we learned along the way. Michelle, this is considered an indie film. What exactly does that mean? <laughs> well, for us, it basically means we had a very small budget. Um, and I think that... <laughs> The term independent film really means you're separate from a studio. You don't have a big studio, the backing of a big studio behind you. You're on your own doing it, finding your own resources and monies uh, to make the film. So, um, Maysville itself is not like what, when I think of indie film these days, so much kind of seems like to me the trend is so much, I call it maybe art house film, where it's, you know, a lot of these indie films are very quiet and very, tell the story very maybe slowly or maybe a lot of them there's not a lot of dialogue and they're beautiful I love indie film um, 
Eight Ways to Sunday, I, I find it more interesting than most of the studio films. But Naysville itself is not um, is not in that trend, so it's kind of been a challenge for us. It tells to me, it just tells a really good story. Um, there's a lot of stuff that happens in Maysville. It's kind of almost hard to keep up. There's a lot of action. It just moves very quickly. So in that way, I think it's kind of against the, the trend that I, I've seen in indie film the last 15 years or so, or what wins the awards kind of thing. It just, it, it doesn't push the envelope with, um, you know, political issues or whatnot. Um, it just tells a really good story. So that, that can uh, have its own challenges marketing-wise. You know, trying to figure out where your niche is. Yeah. One of the main characters is a guy by the name of Brian Sutherland. He's the villain that we love to hate. Get up. I said get up. Come on, boy. You're not going to be lazy around here. There's work to do. Now get out to that coop, bring in the eggs. You ain't so ignorant, you can't figure that out, right? I said get, come on now. What's wrong with you, boy? You messed up in the head, or do I have to get my belt on you? Brian Sutherland is an actor from Portland, Oregon, and we've known him for over a decade. He So the first film that Eden, my oldest, got was a film called uh, Ghost Light, which was filmed here in Seattle, and it was a horror film. And Eden played a kid, Brian's daughter, who, but she doesn't know she's dead. <laughs> she's a ghost who doesn't know she's dead. Hmm. And there were some incredibly um, emotional scenes between her and Brian. And just overall, Brian was so good in that film. I remember my husband saying, he is just an absolute standout. Just, again, that natural actor. Just, just You just felt like he just made that character so real and believable. Yes, he did. Yeah. And then he was in another film with Eden called The Arbor Light. Also very emotional. And but then he it seemed like he um, kind of segued into comedy, which I had no idea he was even interested in. And then he was in all these comedies and he's so funny. A lot of commercials, too. He does a lot of commercial work and a lot of commercials are funny, at least the ones that Brian gets because he's so good at that. So he veered off to that from for quite a few years. And so when we were casting for Maysville, he actually wasn't on my radar initially. Leslie's from Portland, so so she had that connection with Brian down there and mentioned him. And I remember my husband saying, oh my God, Brian is such a good dramatic actor. Do you remember him in Ghostlight? Do you remember him in Arbolite? He was so good. Because I was thinking, oh, he's a comedian. He's a comedian. And uh, he is just so versatile. He can do both. That's how good of an actor he is. He's excellent at both. But it took reminding me that it had just been a while. And he just, he just blew, I mean, he blew it away in Maysville. He really yeah. is. I agree. And yeah. he kind of almost steals the show with yeah. how good he is at playing the role of Buck Stamper, who's yeah. the not-so-nice guy in the film. There's a scene in the movie where you burn a barn. What did you have to go through to make that happen? Yeah. So with our naivety in filmmaking, <laughs> we actually thought we could burn a barn down, no problem. Um, <laughs> I say that jokingly. But when we did the fundraiser down in Centralia, we had two different parties volunteer to have their old barns burned down. <laughs> Not kidding. And we thought, wow, great. This is this is great. And we actually had connected also with um, the fire department down there. <clears throat> the Riverside Fire Department, Chief Mack, was super helpful to us. But <clears throat> we also wanted to burn a barn down. You know, we were filming in August, and that's, you know, high season for burn bans. <laughs> so that uh, was a strike against the whole idea. And then insurance wise i ran it by our you know insurance company and they're like um 
that's going to cost you a lot, a lot of money, and we don't even know <laughs> if it's possible. Like, so just one thing came, just one thing after another made us realize that burning a barn down is probably not going to happen for us. So we also separately uh, got connected with a pyrotechnician who happened to live down there. The fire department connected us with him, and he, Noel, had this great idea to just um, burn, build a barn wall and put it about, I don't know, 30, 40 feet away from the actual barn, an actual barn that we had filmed in. So if this wall is outside the barn, 30 or 40 feet, just with foreshortening or whatever, it, you can make the, the top, the roof of the barn look like it's coming right on top of this wall we built. And it just looked like it was the wall of the barn. Just the angle of um, the camera just made it look that way. And then we took Vaseline, um, and that gas we took Vaseline and applied it to the wall of the barn so that when you burn Vaseline it burns it, it just burns very slowly so yeah. you have you can have that many more shots and that was Noel's idea as well and he was there for the whole thing um, Chief Mack from the fire department was there for the whole thing to make sure we were safe so we just had all the support we we could ask for and including the ingenuity and creativity to figure out how to get this done and make it look authentic. And I think it really turned out well. And then our visual effects person, um, Renee Lyle, she did it in her partner, Kevin Brome did a fantastic job uh, with just adding more fire effects. So I do think having the physical fire makes it look real, of course, but they added more that I think just totally nails it. Just looks so real to me. That's yeah. Michelle, let's talk about the older Teddy and his love interest. Her real name is Cheyenne Barton. Yes, Cheyenne Barton plays Elizabeth, who um, Teddy encounters in the town of Maysville. And yeah, so as actors, um, I assume that's what you want to talk about. So they were so lucky to have them both. Cheyenne is local to Seattle, um, although I think the, the callback, she was for the callback, she actually had to zoom in through Sweden. She is Swedish. Um, she has family in Sweden and was there at the time of the callback. That was pretty funny. Because we actually had Kevin in town from Los Angeles to do kind of what's called like a chemistry read with Cheyenne. And she had to do it from Sweden, even though he was he was with us in Seattle. Um, so two great actors, two young up-and-coming actors. Cheyenne um, has more of a theater background. Um, Seattle's big theater town. Um, but she... And that's always kind of a little bit of the worry when you're coming from theater um, into film that you kind of have to rein it in or just not be as big. And she's she was just so nat she just was that was not a worry at all with her. But I remember going into that um, having her come to the audition. That was one thing in my brain. It's like oh is she gonna is she gonna be too big? And she was not. She was exactly mm. she was just right on, which is why <laughs> she got the role. Um, and she's just got this really natural way about her. Great with improv, I yes. want to say. She just, she just owns it. Every scene, I, she just, um, she kind of has this inner glow too, the inner and outer beauty. I guess that's the best way I, I can describe Cheyenne. Oh, oh, it's freezing. <laughs> Let's talk about the music. A guy named Christopher Kennedy wrote the score. Yes. How'd you find yes. him and what kind of guidance did you give him? So Christopher, he's a composer. He also did the audio for the film, which is no small feat. It's a ton of work in itself. 
and he um, we came across him through another filmmaker and um, and the lady who did our our visual effects they had worked together before and Christopher is in um, in Las Vegas and so he did we did all the, the work remotely and when we first I remember he it really appealed to him to do a period based film mm -hmm. that was a big draw for him and the type of music we wanted I think he was really excited to do and he just did a phenomenal job we wanted a lot of string instead of banjo sounding we wanted more strings yeah. and he was yeah. just so on board with that he's actually from or has lived in Kentucky pretty close to where Leslie grew up so that was quite a coincidence even though he's in Las Vegas and how we kind of came together to, to figure out what we wanted um, the score the music to sound like we watched the three of us watched the whole film together it took a long time because we would stop and talk <laughs> about yeah. each scene and what we <clears throat> wanted to hear for each scene and I remember I was on our way to um, the national parks we we're on our way to Yellowstone that just a family trip so I was in the car the entire time watching a film on my phone and just having the best time just um, just talking about the music it was just so fun to collaborate you know I felt like Christopher was very he was a very good listener and very it was just very fun to watch the film and talk about each scene and the music we wanted for it together as, as a team and, right. and he put it together it was just I think he just did a beautiful job we gave our input um, here and there as we went and it was just yeah it was just very collaborative Forrest, it's uh, your turn again. What's next for you? Well, I'm just, right now, I'm just trying to take all the auditions, do all the auditions I get. You know, I'm going to do them the best I can in the way that Forrest would do them. And if I don't get them, that's fine. If I do, that's great. I'm just working <laughs> on, you know, just working with every opportunity I get. So hopefully I get a new, a big role in something. That would be awesome. The perfect answer. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> Michelle, what's next for you and Leslie in the filmmaking world? Uh, I don't really know yet. We're still heads down with Maysville uh, for the, probably the next few months, heads down with marketing and doing kind of these, these types of things to promote the film. And we're kind of waiting with bated breath to see how the film is doing uh, right now. It is on Amazon, Amazon Prime, and um, and Google Play, and is also you can watch it for free on Tubi. Just you know, because it has commercials, and we're just waiting to see how well it's doing. We don't have that data yet, and we'll just kind of go from there. And depending on how successful Maysville is, it'll probably have something to do with where we go next. But Leslie, um, she's kind of a closet writer, and I think she has five or six or more scripts that she's she's written they're all quite different from each other and there's a few that i think are i'm particularly interested in that are amazing really cool stories and yeah, yeah. so we'll just we'll see where it goes we probably we pulled pulled out every favor we, uh, we could possibly get for making maysville yeah. and i think we're trying to leverage that to maybe get to the next level to get investor funding or to get a bigger um a bigger budget uh, and I think Maysville really kind of showcases what can be done on a very small budget with the talent yes not yes. just cast but crew as well in the Pacific Northwest I think I think it does that successfully yeah. and we'll see where that takes us Forrest let's go to you one more time what have you learned through professional acting that maybe other kids don't learn or they don't learn it till later on. 
two things. One is how to work with adults professionally from because I started at a moderately young age at nine and so I was I had to learn how to take direction because it's what they're hiring you to do and it's you kinda have to like kinda grow up a little bit to do that. Some kids can't and some kids can and the ones who can usually get a lot more jobs than the ones who can't and those are the kids who usually make it far um and another thing is acting it really you really have to have you have to build empathy to kind of be good at it because you have to like think about you have to build this character inside your head and then you have to think about like everything their mental health how they think what kind of person they are how they were raised how they were brought brought up and all this stuff all this different stuff you have to build this person in your head and then you have to kind of just have this mentality solid in in your brain and then once you have that you need to apply it to yourself and then you need to think about how situations affect that person once you can once you can do that you can bring it into the real world with situations with like thinking about how people when you get mad at somebody for doing something for making a certain decision you can think more on their side put yourself in their shoes and all this stuff that maybe you couldn't do before you got into acting it really helps with that real world you know situations and you know a lot of people today just you know they get when they get into fights they don't think about the other person and they don't argue in a healthy way and i feel like acting definitely helps you to have empathy and think about other people in that in that way well michelle and uh, forrest thank you so much for talking and taking the amount of time that we've had to take today to capture this interview i really appreciate you coming in This is Michael Biggs, and I want to thank you for listening to Upwards, moments of hope, encouragement, and inspiration. Be looking for my next podcast soon, and be sure and check out my website, upwords.net. That's up-words.net. If you're looking for help in marketing your business through social media, I can help. Check out my website. I really appreciate you listening. Thank you so much. I wish for you hope, encouragement, and inspiration today and every day.